0: Well, good morning. How's everybody doing? Good, glad you guys are here. Uh, we are really good at popping balloons, aren't we? Have you noticed that? Like, we are really good at popping balloons. How many people had a Starbucks this week? A few of you. How many, how many got a Venti, right? How many people went to the movie this week, right? If you're like me, it costs you a lot of balloons, right? Because I got a lot of kids, right? How many people, how many people bought gas this week? gas station. How many people bought gas but didn't even look at how much you were buying? You just put, swipe the card. Come on, there you go. You get two for that one, right? Like, and then there's sometimes the balloons pop and you didn't even do it. They just pop on their own. How many of you had an unexpected doctor's visit this week? Had to pay that copay? How many of you had to go to a specialist and double the copay? That copay is extra, right? Right. And what about that one that they put so high up I might not can reach it? Like, nobody wants all their balloons to be popped, do they? But it <laughs> can happen. And why is it that popping balloons is even a little bit stressful? And it's the same way with money. It's because money affects everything about everybody. Money affects everything about everybody. It affects whether you go to lunch. Whether you go to fast food or go somewhere where you have to leave a tip. It affects what you think about your week. It affects where your kids go to school. It affects what you think about getting married. It affects what you think about your future. It affects everything. I want you to think about this for a second. Do you think that in the United States people think more about money or sex? Right? Money. People think more about money than sex. I know that's hard for some of you to believe because you've watched Netflix a time or two, right? People think about, more about money than they do about health care. People think more about money than they do about their jobs. It's at the top of everybody's radar. Do you know that if you make, the more money you, you make, the more you think about it? As that great theologian, notorious B.I.G. said, more money, more problems. <laughs> and it's equal among genders. Men and women think about it the same. It's the number two cause of divorce in our country. Man, as you look at that, we want to be the best discipling church in our generation. Man, and as we look at this this problem that seems to be in everyone's lives, or this concern, at least, it's on everybody's radar, and we want to just take an opportunity to speak into that. And I realize that when you come to church, the last thing you're hoping to hear about is money. Am I right? Like, you didn't come in the driveway and think, man, I hope it's about money today. This is going to be awesome. You didn't invite your friend and think, hey, come, because we're going to talk about money. Right? (laughs) I even had this opportunity, I was inviting people this last couple of weeks, and it even, I had to, like, oh, wait, I'm talking about money this week. Oh, yeah, you should come anyway, because I'm obligated. But I know, man, it it can feel a little bit, and here's the reality, just to put you at ease. Man, this is not about, we're not going to put some big campaign at the end, we're not going to come to, you know, in in a couple weeks, we're just going to put this big thermometer on the wall, and we're going to keep asking you to give money until the thermometer's filled up or anything like that, man. This is not about us, man. This is about you, and today I want to talk about what's in it for you. Like, what is in it for you? What is in it for you, wherever you are in your income, wherever you are in your debt picture, wherever you're, how far along you are in your retirement planning? What is in it for you? And at the end, what we're gonna talk about is this idea of engaging in Financial Peace University, and I'm going to give you some details around that. How many of you ever heard of, of Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University, right? Because if you've been here more than a week, you have. But I know in general, man, one of the most popular uh, XM radio stations, very, very prolific author, man, he helps people win at money, and we want to do the same because it seems like for most people, they're not winning at money. For most people in our culture, they're not winning at money. 78 percent of people are paycheck to paycheck. Now, what that means is that you get paid or you get direct deposit, you actually get a check, however it is you get paid, and the time you get paid next, if it's monthly or if it's bi-monthly, whatever it is, before you can get to that next paycheck, you've run out of money. And you, you're waiting like a dog at a dog bowl, just, I need that money, I need that money. Man, not only that, 68% couldn't cover a $1,000 expense. So if your car broke down or your refrigerator broke, 68% of people in the United States could not cover, they would have to come up with some other financial plan other than paying for it, other than paying cash for it, just for $1,000. Not only that, 62% of people carry a credit card balance. 62% of people, over half of the people in the United States, carry a credit card balance, meaning they bought something and they're going to pay for it later, and they're paying more than it costs, 62%. People in the United States give less than 3%. Okay, whether you give the, uh, a church or whether you give the United Way or Red Cross our Foundation, man, you give less than 3%, people do, and that number over the last 15 years has decreased by 40%. Decreased by 40%. Two-thirds of people are anxious about money. They think about it regularly. Hey, and this is all while participating in the fifth most powerful economy in history, behind the Roman Empire of AD 25, behind the Indian Empire of 1200, the Chinese dynasty around 1700, the British Empire around 1870. We are the fifth most powerful economy, uh, economy in history, and we have these struggles man we need to learn what it means to win with money and the bible has a lot to say about money the bible has a lot to say about money why is it that we are struggling with money why is it that people think about it a lot even if you're not in a stressful place but it's on your radar it's because financial decisions aren't just financial decisions they're following decisions your financial decisions, your spending decisions, they're not just financial decisions. Your saving decisions, your investing decisions, they are following decisions because they tell us who we're following. Man, are we following what we think the world can give us as far as satisfaction goes? Or are we following what we believe God has in store for us that is good and prosperous and true? Man, who is it that we're following? And it can reveal a lot about our lives. It can reveal, man, our passions, where we spend our money. It can reveal our priorities. It can reveal what we're looking to for peace. And here, I can tell you everything about your life, and we're going to talk about this the entire day today. The bottom line is this. I can tell you everything about your life in a simple phrase. Follow the money. Follow the money. And the Bible talks about money a lot, if you've read it. There's 2,000 verses that deal with money, 2,000 statements about money. Jesus talked a lot about money. You know that Jesus talked about money more than he talked about heaven, more than he talked about hell, more than he talked about um, Supreme Court justices, more than he talked about college football, more than he talks about prayer. Jesus talked about money. Why is that? Like if you looked at Jesus' bank account, what would it say about his life? What would it say if you followed the money? Jesus wasn't rich. He didn't build a big bank account. He didn't establish um, Jesus' bank and trust. He didn't do any of that. As we look at his life, we know he gave it all for us. He didn't have this interest in us in having our money. Here's what he had. He had interest in having us and he knew that our money would be something that would get us off track if we're not careful And if we're not paying attention, if we don't guard against it, and if we don't have a plan, like what if you could could win at money? Like what if you could have a future? What if you could teach your children how to win with money? Because here's the reality. Most of our kids are going to make less than we do. First generation in history. And if we don't train them and teach them what it looks like to win with money, they will not be able to take care of us in our old age. What if? So, we want to talk today about what's in it for you. We're going to follow the money. At the end, I'm going to talk to you about why you should sign up for Financial Peace University. Then, I'm going to deal with all the objections that anybody may have. And then, I'm going to tell you the benefits. And it's going to be just like that. And in between, we're going to laugh a little bit. Does that sound good? All right. Luke chapter 12. Let's jump in. Luke chapter 12. We're going to be in our Bibles today. Luke chapter 12. This is uh, someone asks Jesus a question, and then he launches into this teaching around money. Luke chapter 12, Um, starting out in verse 13. It says, Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But Jesus said to him, Man, who made me a judge or arbiter over you? So, so he asked Jesus this question, and Jesus is like, Hey, what's this got to do with me? It's a little bit like this. Like, how many parents in the room? Well, wait a minute. How many of you have two kids in the room? Your parent of two kids? Because if you only have one, you're not really a parent. How many have two kids? So you know what it's like when one of them comes to you and says, Mom, Sam, hit me. And you're like, Just go hit him back. I don't care, Right. Like, I've got bigger things to do. There's bigger stuff on my radar. i got bigger problems than you right now. Just deal with it. So this is kind of what Jesus is like, man, you're making a big deal out of this when I've got bigger things. I just brought someone back from the dead, thank you very much, and you're asking me about your inheritance? Shut up. Man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? And, and he said to them, take care, be on guard against all covetousness, covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. So he says, take care, he says, be on guard against buying into what the world says is really important. And the word for guard here is pretty interesting. So it's this idea that you have a vineyard that produces very, very... Uh, rich grapes to make a lot of extremely expensive wine and so there's it's fenced in and you're watching it to be sure that animals don't come in and eat them to be sure that no one comes in to try to destroy them that you water it you cultivate it you prune it you take care of it so that at the end you can have the treasure that you've invested in he says hey guard it be sure that you don't fall into the world's way of thinking about money be sure not to go down thinking that temporary things are going to provide you eternal security and so, so when you're guarding something, you have to pay attention to it, right? It has to be a priority for you. And nobody, nobody, nobody wakes up overnight and says, I think today I'll ruin my financial picture. Like nobody's going to wake up and say, hmm, they just increased my credit limit on my Amex. I think I'll buy a Tesla. Nobody, nobody is doing that. It happens over time, doesn't it? We kind of drift into the world's way of thinking. We drift into what the world says is normal. Hey, if you want what the world says is normal, I just showed you the statistics. That's where you're headed, right? That's what's normal, and we don't have to be like that. We don't have to live like that. There is more for us, is what Jesus is saying. How many of you remember your first job? You got your first job? Remember, like, I can remember my first job thinking, I didn't know they pay people this much money. Like, this is amazing. I know there's much money in the world. I think it was $25,000 at the time. My kids make more than that part-time at Chick-fil-A. I mean, but it was just amazing. I remember my first credit card. How many remember your first credit card? Yep. How many of you remember the first thing you bought with your first credit card? How many of you are still paying on that? Just kidding. Don't raise your hand. (laughs) I can remember the first thing I bought with a credit card, and I I was so proud because I thought it made me an adult. And if we're not careful, we'll begin to think about money differently than what God So Jesus said, hey, guard it. Pay attention to it. Guard it. And then he goes on and he tells a story. He tells a parable. It starts out in um, verse 13. It says, he, excuse me, verse 16. It says, he told them a parable. He said, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I'll do this. I'll tear down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store my grain and all my goods. So so this guy didn't do anything wrong. He didn't steal. He didn't didn't lie. He didn't embezzle. He didn't mistreat anybody. He was just good. He just raised a lot of stuff, man. He was very, very productive. And so he's just going to say, I'm I'm just going to store these up. I'm going to say to my soul, soul, he talks in third person to himself. It's always a bad sign when somebody does that. <laughs> you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. Upgrade your house. You earned it. And think about that house on the lake or at the beach. Man, buy that new Rolex. Buy that, buy that Honda next. That's supposed to be a joke right there. You don't, <laughs> Rolex and Honda is not in the same conversation. It tells me my crowd. Um, <laughs> hey, just, just enjoy it. Just have fun. You earned it. Now's the time just to relax. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Beware of hoping the temporary can provide the eternal. Beware of hoping the temporary can provide satisfaction. And the the lie of the world is that something temporary will give us what we're looking for eternally. And that's not, and and Jesus says this, and it feels a little extreme. He says this, stuff can steal your soul. Stuff, money, stuff, houses, cars, can steal your soul. Soul. Seems extreme, doesn't it? I mean, you may have heard the phrase this way. I mean, he sold his soul to the devil. You've heard that phrase? Yeah. There, it comes from uh, a, a, a guitar player. whose name was Robert Johnson back in the 1930s. And he has been the inspiration for the likes of Eric Clapton, uh, Bob Dylan, the Allman Brothers. So he was super skilled, super talented, super gifted. But there's not a lot known about his life. He died when he was 27 and legend has it that he got this gifting, this talent, at a crossroads in Mississippi when he sold his soul to the devil. He exchanged something that was temporary, a talent, for something eternal, his soul. Man, we all heard Charlie Daniels. The devil went down to Georgia looking for a soul to steal. He was in a box, because way behind looking to make a deal. Came across a boy, saw him on a fiddle and it hot. Jumped up on a hickory stump said, boy, let me tell you what. I guess you didn't know what. I'm a fiddle player, too. If you care to make a deal, I'll take a bet with you. Come on. You play a pretty good fiddle, boy, but give the others due. I bet a fiddle of gold against your soul. I think I'm better than you. Yeah. And we could all go on. But the less of the story is what? A fiddle of gold, something now, right? Something temporary, something that's going to leave us for something eternal. Listen, if we don't pay attention, if we don't guard against that, we'll kind of drift that way. We won't overnight wake up and think that, but we'll drift that way. Man, we'll drift to thinking the things I'm working for now, the riches that I'm working for now, the money I'm working for now, is it going to provide me everything that I want later? And it will not happen. It won't happen. Now, it's not that money's bad. Like, let's talk about that. Like, money is not evil in itself. Just because people are rich doesn't mean that they are evil. You know who thinks that? People who don't have money, of course. Like, it doesn't mean, it's not bad to have stuff, but it's bad when stuff has you. Money's not evil. Money's not a sign of a particular blessing from the Lord. Just because you have money doesn't mean you're extra valued by God. So we can't make the mistake. I mean, we can't fall into the trap, Jesus is saying, of thinking this can provide for us later. Don't be short-sighted and drift into this idea that money is everything I want my life to be about. You can't deliver. It can't deliver what lasts forever. In Psalm chapter 49, the psalmist writes this. Says, don't be afraid when a man becomes rich, when the glory of his house increases, when he, when he upgrades that house, when he moves out of that starter home, when he moves in that new neighborhood, when he fills his garage, when he fills his house with furniture. Like, don't, don't worry about that. For when he dies, He will carry nothing away and his glory will not go down after him. In other words, all the thing he's accumulated, it stays here. For though while he lives, he counts himself blessed, has fun, relaxes, chills out, comfortable. Though you get praise when you do well for yourself, his soul will go to the generation of his fathers. As Bill Cosby said, man, you brought nothing into this world and you'll take nothing out. Rich people are not necessarily more valued than poor people. But we have to be careful that we don't count our riches to provide for us in heaven. We have what we call rich people problems. We have first world problems. Have you noticed that? Do you know your car has a house bigger than most people in the world? You have a special set of clothes you sleep in, don't you? I hope so. And sometimes our problems, they're not financial problems. They're following problems. And we mistake it for a financial problem. And Jesus says, don't be deceived. Then he goes on and says, possibly one of the most popular verses in the Bible, in Luke chapter, down in verse 34 of Luke chapter 12, Jesus says this, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Where your treasure is. You know what this means? Follow the money. Follow the money. You want to know about you? Follow the money. People say this all the time, and you may have said this. Have you ever thought, man, if I won the lottery, you know what I'd do? If I won the mega millions, $100 million, you know what I'd do? And they begin to go into a list, because I'm a pastor, it's all about giving it away, of course. But think about it. We've all had that conversation. It's easy to know what you do. I can tell you what you would do. I can tell you today what you would do tomorrow. It's what you're already doing. I would just follow the money you're already spending, managing, stewarding. And I can tell you what you would do. And you want to know what kind of employee you're going to be? Follow the money. Like, how do you handle money? How do you handle money personally? Man, are you conscientious? Are you late? Do you have high debt or no debt? probably has a reflection on how conscientious you are at work. Man, if you're single, man, I can tell you, if you're interested in getting married, I can tell you what kind of spouse you'll be. I can just look at how you handle your bank account, Jesus is saying. I can follow the money. Now, this phrase became very popular back um, during the Watergate era. You guys remember Watergate, or at least read about Watergate? Anybody? A few of you? Watergate's kind of popular back now for some reason in the news, Um, but Watergate, for those of you who don't remember it, um, was two journalists, Bob Woodward and Carl Bernstein. They began to uncover this Watergate scandal. They were two journalists, and they came across a source, an anonymous source. His name was Deep Throats, what they called him. And he, and he only recently, they found out who he was in 2005. But they really wanted a lot more detail and specifics around the Watergate scandal. They wanted to know who knew. They wanted to know, did the president know? Did they have recordings? Who ordered the break-ins? All those things. And, and, and the, the source wouldn't tell Uh, Woodward exactly the details he wanted and so finally in frustration he just said follow the money because the money will lead to the truth and if we want to know the truth about us man we can follow the money you know what your marriage is going to look like in 10 years follow the money look at how you handle the money look at how you spend the money look at how you save the money look at how you budget money look at how you view money follow the money as a parent you know what what your kids view is going to be of money of life. It's how you handle money now. And if they want something, you get it and you leverage yourself and whatever they want, they can get because they can borrow it now and you can pay for it later. You're going to set them up for a life of frivolous spending and always being entitled. And when they can't pay for it because they don't make as much as we did, man, they're going to face destruction. Follow the money. Now, Now, Jesus had a lot to say about money. He tells us to follow the money. Now, if We do follow the money. We'll find out more about who we're following. And he says in verse 22 through verse 23, he says, He said to his disciples, Therefore, I tell you, don't be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body is more than clothing. So he deals with this idea of anxiety, the anxiety that we face many times over money. 70%, 70%, as I said earlier, two-thirds of Americans, man, they're anxious about money. And it's not a financial problem. It's a following problem. Think about all the creature comforts we have. I have this cabinet in my kitchen. It's cold. I can put food in there. I bet you have one, too. called it a refrigerator. I have a freezer. Keeps ice in my, in my freezer. How many of you ever had your ice maker go out and you got mad? I have this big box of aluminum and metal I get in and it tries me wherever I want to go on roads that are pretty darn smooth, if I'm dishonest. I have this other little box in my kitchen. Maybe you have one. It's called a dishwasher. I just have some dirty dishes. I just put them in there. There are stop signs on the road that people stop. Keeps me, helps keep me safe as long as everybody obeys the traffic laws. My car has enough airbags in it to make a human pillow, right, if I have an accident. Safety. I have ceiling fans in my house. I have a yard that I mow. Man, we have so much comfort. We have so much temporary satisfaction, but our souls are so unsettled because it's a following problem. I just recently got back from our partner in Guatemala uh, on Thursday. Man, it's always good for perspective. It's not always apples to apples because nobody's saying that we should sell everything, and move just to live in the poorest of the poor. Some of you may need to do that, but that's not God's call on everybody. So we shouldn't feel guilty. But the reality is, when we look around the world, the fact that they would have a room that's the size of this carpet as their house, where they fit a bed and a stove, and there is no such thing as indoor plumbing, and we just at times need to recognize man do we have a following problem when we spend so much time worrying that the last 20 years of our life can be spent on the beach playing golf feels like we may need to guard something and so what we want to man i want to spend the rest of my time with you talking about financial peace university why it's going to be nine weeks to transform your life. I can tell from my own experience as someone who grew up with not much and is so grateful for how God has come through for me and what it's meant to our, to our marriage and our family the last six months. But financial peace it is a nine-week course. It is nine weeks to transformation. Nine weeks, that's it. Not even double digits, nine. And you meet You listen to Dave Ramsey and his teaching. You have some small group time. Now, in small group time, by the way, no one is looking at your bank statements. No, you're not bringing your W-2. Like, nobody's asking personal financial questions. It is more about, hey, did you get a budget? Did you do these things? It's high level. So you're not diving into personal information. Unless you want to, and then you can feel free. And you go through, and then there's steps to take. There's a plan that you'll come out with. The cost is $99. $99 to freedom. I realize there's some potential. Some of you couldn't completely make and fund the $99. You're like, well, that's the whole reason I need it, Stephen. It's because I can't even pay $99. We'll help you with part of it, but you need to pay part of it, too, because you need some skin in the game. And it's $90 per household, no matter how many people live in your house. One Ten, doesn't matter. $99 per household. Child care is provided. And we have every night of the week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday night, actually Saturday morning, four times on Sunday. We've never gone to this intentionality about anything because we believe so much in the power of it to transform your life. So why wouldn't you do that? Let me just run down the objections for you because I have a few. First objection, I won't be able to buy stuff. You're going to put this plan in place. I won't be able to buy stuff. Like, I don't want to do that. Here's what I would tell you. Classes start a week from today. So over this next week, go buy everything you want. (laughs) Not really. Um, but but the reality is, I'm just going to speak a little bit on a personal level. We actually have so much more freedom now, and you will too, because you can buy stuff without wondering if you can afford it. You'll, you'll buy stuff that you need and want, and it'll be different. So I was just calculating up all the stuff that we've done over the last four months, Debbie and I, as we've gone through financial peace from a wedding to... Two weddings, I mean, one was mine, one was, uh, one was one of our kids, and all the stuff that we've done to the money that we've saved and spent, all that stuff. And I increased my, the power of our income by 28.6%. 28.6%. So think about that. And I make the same amount. Just because I was more intentional, I understood more, I was able to give more, I was able to do more things, just because I was paying attention and I put some of these tools in place, you'll be able to buy stuff. So check that one off your list. Does it work? You're not saying follow the money. You're saying show me the money. Does it work? I just want to speak on the, the last class that we had here. The last class that we had, not including our staff that's already been through it as well, we had 10 families go through, and 10 families paid off $40,000 in non-mortgage debt. 40000 So if you think about it, 10 families, and not all of those 10 families had non-mortgage debt, so the actual the number of families is probably six or eight paid off $40,000 thousand dollars in a period of nine weeks when it comes to how much they saved our class it saved forty eight thousand dollars so you had an eighty eight thousand dollar turnaround in a matter of nine weeks does it work it works it works my spouse handles all the money right like they handle it all they got it covered that's a lot of pressure on one person can I just say that If you're married, and you're like, my spouse handles all the money, and my spouse is the one who uh, counts it and spends it, right? If your marriage is supposed to be of one heart, you're, you know, unified, one flesh, that means one bank account. It doesn't mean that one one spouse doesn't handle more of the money than the other. I like to say, I make it, Debbie spends it, but that's not true, Um, but... As we're able to talk together about, with a common language about the things that we need and our plans for the future, and are we on track for our future goals and dreams, gives us a common language and it removes the pressure off of just one person. And it helps us to have common conversations around the one thing that we think about the most. Um, the next one you may say, You're too old. Like, I'm too old, too far down the road. I've, I've already got all this figured out. Hey, it ain't about you. Here's what I mean by that. If we're becoming the greatest disciple making church in our generation, one of the greatest legacies you can leave for somebody is not to give them a bunch of money, but to teach them and train them and equip them on how to handle the money they have. So, to go through financial peace for you would be in order to learn the tools so you could have a very easy template to train others. Maybe it's your children, maybe it's your grandchildren. Maybe it's just some friends. I do firmly believe that when we get to heaven and we have helped someone financially, as we cross the threshold into glory, someone will say thank you because we helped them with money. You're not too old. Your financial picture is too sophisticated, maybe. You know, you've got stocks and bonds and options and futures and you've got investments and you've got, um, you know, land holdings and you've got a foundation and many. Your, your picture is pretty sophisticated. For God, let's remember, he created the retina. He he gets complicated. And I don't think your finances are more complicated than my retina. Because it's attached to my brain. Man, it's not too sophisticated for God. You may say, my picture's not sophisticated enough, Stephen. It is pretty simple. Great news for you, Jesus' wasn't either. He left home, became homeless, only to return back to heaven. And that can be true for you, too. Man, you may think, I don't have enough. That's irrelevant. You want to be sure that what you do have, you're moving down the field towards God and following after God. It's a following issue, it's not an amount issue. You may feel embarrassed. You may be like, I'm a disaster. Man, i made some mistakes, and I'm in a hole, and I don't want anybody to know. I don't even want to talk about it, and I'm embarrassed. Listen, there's not a person in this room who hasn't made at least one financial mistake. Let me tell you about mine. Can you say RX-7 right when you got out of college? I think everybody has made some mistakes. And, and, the, and the thing worse than being embarrassed today is being embarrassed in five years. Like, don't, don't, don't let that hold you back. We're a place that's for everybody, and if you ever got judged by somebody let me know. I'll put Joey on it, right? We're going to take care of it, <laughs> right? Don't be embarrassed, man. Now's the time. If you're embarrassed, it's going to stay in the dark, man, but if you bring it to light, you're going to have peace. You don't have to live like that. You may say, hey, I've done that before. Like, we did that a while back. Yeah, we kind of got it going on, man. We, we took Dave Ramsey a little back. We did something similar to that, you know. What I would say to you is, man, this is your opportunity to be part of what we're doing as a church, Everybody needs a refresher. Debbie and I are looking forward to going through it again um, over these next nine weeks. And it will help you with a common language with people to help transfer something to them that they need. And there may be some things that you forgot. Because if you remember, you don't just jump off the cliff. You just kind of drift. And the things that you learned when you took it the first time, and you got to remember those and be reminded of those. You may be like, I'm just stressed out about it, and I'm going to ignore it. It's kind of like I'm not going to the doctor because he may tell me something's wrong. You've ever met people like that? My foot hurts. Go to the doctor now. He'll tell me it's broke. That, that makes no sense. <laughs> it's broken whether or not he tells you or not. Ding, ding, ding. And so I would just say, man, if, you're just, if you feel like you can ignore it, there's going to come a time when you can't. And, and, and there's going to come a time when you w- are going to wish you would have taken op- this opportunity to go through Financial Peace University for these nine weeks. You may say, hey, I'm single. Isn't this just for married people? No, it's not. If you are single and you think you might want to get married, this is the best thing you can do. I tell my daughter all the time, follow the money. When looking for a spouse, of course. (laughs) I think to prepare yourself if you do want to get married, or if you don't, that's not the Holy Grail. man. Just have confidence about your future. Debbie and I right now, we, we meet with a couple of uh, singles, who are, people who aren't married. that we, we, we help. They kind of say, hey, here's my plan. Here's what we're doing. Can I just talk it through with you? Because they want somebody to talk it through with. That's awesome. So if you're single, you need this as much as anybody. It's not a family thing. It's not a married thing. It is a following thing. You may say, I'm too busy. Think about this for a minute. You're too busy. You're too busy popping balloons and getting stressed out to not do that. Because that's what we're busy doing. We're busy spending money and running crazy. You're not too busy because we offer it, as I said, every day of the week, four times on Sunday, and we offer childcare. We got you covered. Man, we, we have done, gone above and beyond, done everything we could to make this easy and available to you providing childcare, offering it on Sundays. You can make it happen if you want financial freedom. Last one I've heard is it's not for me. What does that mean? Financial peace is not for you. You're just destined to be anxious and stupid. Like, what does that mean? It's not for me. That's a cop out. I'm just going to be honest. I don't want to do it. Just say it. It's not for me means I don't want to. Because you got time, you got resources, man. You got a church that loves you and wants to see the best for your future. What are the benefits? It's proven to work, as I said earlier. It works. Man, it gives you a plan, right? A failure to plans, planning to fail. It gives you a plan. It will give you peace and confidence about your future. And, and, and when we follow Jesus, we'll get to the end, and we won't be surprised. I mean, won't, we won't be surprised that our barns didn't go with us, and he won't call us a fool for thinking that they would. Man, I think lastly... As we think about this as a church, man, for those of you who are part of this place, as we launch into a new day in January, we are so convinced, we are so believing, we are so certain that God is doing something special, man, that he is in the midst, in the middle of lifting his name up beyond what we've ever been able to see accomplished in our church. Man, we are so sold out to the new day and what he's doing, man, we want you to be a part of it. Man, we want you to lock arms with us man, as we march this road so that we can be equipped and ready to do what he's called us to do. We have got so much vision in front of us and so much to accomplish, and there are so many people who need us to guard what we're doing. And if we don't, who will? Man, I want you to be a part of this. I don't want you to miss out for the personal satisfaction you'll get, but also, man, for that time in the future, man, when all those investments get cashed in and we walk across the line, today is your day to sign up for financial peace. Let's pray. So God, I just pray today that you'd set some people free. Overcome any obstacles, any barriers, any excuses. God, that we would see you the way we should, that we would guard the stuff that you've given us, the stuff that we have, that it wouldn't take us off track from loving you and it wouldn't steal our soul today. We want to, God, when, and at the end, man, when, when you follow the money, man, it tells the story of someone who gave life and hope and who had ultimate faith in a God who loves them and came for them. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.